Well, so you get Michigan starting Big Ten play against Rutgers. Jim Harbaugh is back after his three-game suspension. Think about that. You had no Mel Tucker on the sidelines last week, no Jim Harbaugh, completely opposite of the spectrum stories. Uh, but I, I didn't make that connection until after the fact. Clayton Safey, uh, he is one of the great insiders at thewolverine.com. An open letter to Superfly yesterday. What is going on with Bill? Have I fell off his VIP list? He doesn't call and put me on anymore. Mama Safey, who listens in Grand Rapids, is wondering, what did he do? Was it my bubble pizza I brought to the studio? Uh, Why isn't Clayton on? I'm going to tell you, Clayton, why. First off, the three games are dog meat games. There's nothing I can take from him. I know last week we complained about J.J. McCarthy didn't look good. But talk to me now that we're in Big Ten play, and I think we'll get a true gauge on where Michigan is at coming up on Saturday. They're still the number two team in the country. I can't listen to people complain about a team that's undefeated and number two in the country. Yeah. <sighs> Amen. Amen. How you doing, Clayton? I'm doing well. Yeah, I sent a, a tongue-in-cheek text to Superfly yesterday, you know, wonder if I was getting blackballed, but no, it's great to be back. It's great to, you know, it feels like uh, things are things are ramping up here. Uh, it's weird to say, but Rutgers coming to town feels like a big game because hmm. the games before that weren't very big. But um, yeah, so some better competition this week. I'm doing well, and think of this too: Mel Tucker suspended, going to be fired. Jim Harbaugh was suspended. And the prayers are up for Jawan Howard, but he's also sidelined right now after his surgery. So uh, head coach is out right now and, and Jim Harbaugh back, but just some weird times in the state of Michigan. Yeah, it is. And I'll get your thoughts on the impact of what's happening and what will happen uh, to Michigan State football coming up here in a few moments. But uh, this matchup with Rutgers, yeah, it is strange. I don't know if it's a big game or if Michigan hasn't shown us anything in the first three games. That, that's And we won't know until the end result against Rutgers on Saturday. No doubt. And, I mean, I think it's a little bit of, of both where, I mean, Jim Harbaugh said in the past where these Big Ten games, they count as two wins if you get them because, you know, you're trying to defend your Big Ten title. You're trying to uh, win a third straight Big Ten title. And, that's your first goal that you want to check off. You want to beat the rivals, then you win the Big Ten, and then you can move on from there in the national picture. But, um, you know, Rutgers is a team that has played well through three games. I'm not quite sure they've played anyone yet, though, either. Uh, they have played two Power 5 teams, Northwestern and Virginia Tech, and handled both of them. I mean, it looks like a, a good defense. Their offense has improved. They can actually run the ball this year, which is going to be important for them that have had not very good offenses at all under Greg Schiano since he came back and. 2020 there so yeah i mean from a michigan standpoint i'm excited to see what this team looks like because it's it was pretty good through two games and then you had the clunkiness against bowling green um but it's just so hard to tell i mean is this really a great pass rush outfit uh or you know let's see what the receivers do against some better competition it's just so hard to to tell what it's going to look like and the last two big 10 openers despite michigan winning the conference at the end of the year have been a little bit of struggles at times. Rutgers two years ago, and then Maryland last year. So, and you know, I think they're they're going to be ready, but it could be a little bit of an adjustment, playing better competition after the cupcakes in the first three weeks. Clayton Safey, a great Wolverine insider from the Wolverine.com, joining us here on the huge show across Michigan. Michigan Rutgers opening up Big Ten uh, play 
Why did J.J. McCarthy look clunky? And really, the offense, for the most part, I think the defense has depth. They have speed to the ball. I'm really impressed with the Michigan defense, even more than I was with the D last year at this time. But the offense, and again, it was what we went through last fall, what we went through in the first half of the TCU game, Harbaugh dialing it down, not showing anything. Uh, where's the game changers, which look like it's, you know, Roman Wilson still. Uh, your, your thoughts on this past Saturday and why didn't, even with a comfortable win, why did they look bad, especially McCarthy? Yeah, well, the offense honestly came out pretty hot. You know, they have a four-play drive, all runs. They score right away. Blake Corum ripped off that big one on the first play. And then they're right back down there at the goal line before J.J. McCarthy throws that other pick, or the first pick, in the end zone. You know, they said it was a spacing issue on the routes there. So you still can't throw the ball, but, you know, maybe part of that's not on him. And then the second one was just a bad read, and he kind of underthrew his guy as well. And then the third one, he was trying to check it out of bounds and didn't quite get it there. It can't happen, and I think it's a good learning experience for him. But they were all three kind of different things. I mean, we've watched a lot of J.J. McCarthy. He's played more games than any quarterback in the Jim Harbaugh era uh, at Michigan. And I think we know that he, he does take risks. You know, sometimes he's a little lax with the football, but he has taken care of it. He only had two picks all of last regular season. Um, you know, if they're going to put more on his plate, maybe the, the risk will go up a little bit. But I, I don't think it's anything super concerning. Uh, they also fumbled that kickoff, and that, that uh, forced the offense to sit on the bench for over 10 minutes in that first quarter. Just a weird type of game. They only ran 44 offensive plays. Um, I actually thought the run game got got going a little bit more than, than maybe people were talking about afterwards and maybe understandable with everyone speaking about J.J.'s struggles. But uh, I think that, um, you know, we, we saw the pass game work in the first couple games. Uh, not too concerned about the interceptions going forward. He had a bad game, and that happens, and he got it out of the way against Bowling Green. Clayton Safey tells it like it is from the Wolverine.com. One of my favorite. Wolverine Insiders, I could have the guy on the show every day of the week, but Superfly, for some reason, won't schedule right. it every day. So we'll we'll talk about that off air later. Yeah, I, I think as we're going through Bowling Green, like I said, they're number two in the country. They're undefeated. You have got yeah. to talk to me when they blow a game they should win or they get just manhandled by somebody who was an inferior or uh, was a superior uh, opponent start to finish, not inferior. So I, they lose to Rutgers, uh, all hell will break loose. But they did it last year. They, they weren't really sexy on offense until really Ohio State game was their biggest signature game of the season last year. And then that's why I thought, hey, three weeks to prepare. They're going to uh, look this way against TCU. It didn't bring a lot of defense, and they're going to get to the championship game. That didn't happen. But it is Harbaugh's M.O. He doesn't go out and want to beat Team 70-3. to Also, with the new clock set up, and this is going to be about some of these payday teams, Clayton, that I've been watching. They're going to do short passing, run, eat clock as much as possible to stay in games and not get beat 55-6. Instead, they lose 31-6, and and they take a big paycheck home. No, you're absolutely right. And Rutgers is is one of those teams. I know they're not getting a paycheck for this game, but uh, I was talking to somebody who covers them for a story we're going to run on Thursday. We always talk to an opposing writer, and 
Uh, he, you know, he was saying this Rutgers team, even against the opponents they've played, they really dominated. They run the play clock down under eight seconds every single time just about. So they're going to come in here, try to get their run game going. Like you said, the short passes, the clock doesn't stop after first downs anymore. And that's a factor. And we really saw that last week against Bowling Green where Michigan makes some turnovers early. And then that really set them back. They weren't able to really recover until they got some turnovers of their own because of that clock rule. Like I said, they didn't get the ball back for over 10 minutes due to a couple turnovers. So you got to be clean. You got to start fast these days now with the shortened games. It's, it's really interesting as the, as you know, every week we get more data on it. Um, you know, and, and again, Michigan ran 44 plays, the least amount they've, they've had uh, in a full length game that I could find this century. So uh, wow. turnovers played a part, but same with, same with just the clock and, and, you know, kind of the game flow and how things went. Dude, when I'm looking at the the big boys in college football, Michigan's one of them right now. Let's be honest. You know, they're number two in the country. But when I look at Georgia and the speed, when I look at teams around them, Ohio State, their offense doesn't, you know, impress me. Uh, But their defense, I think, is as good as Ohio State has had in a long time. But the game changers on offense. Obviously, Roman Wilson. uh, Blake doesn't – again, you go through a knee injury, you're still getting – game uh ready right uh, he, he doesn't have that second gear that he had before uh who are the game changer home run threats on the michigan offense uh, how would you list that in order right now yeah I, I mean i think it still starts with blake Corum, and i thought in week three he looked a heck of a lot better than he did the first couple of weeks i mean he got over 100 yards and, and out of only 12 carries and he talked about it after the game too he said I didn't go over 100 yards in any of the non-conference games a year ago, and he finished seventh in Heisman Trophy voting despite missing the end of the year. So I think he's starting to look more and more like Blake Corum to me, so it starts with him. And I think you hope in, in kind of what you saw in the first couple of weeks is that J.J. McCarthy at quarterback can be one of those weapons for you. Donovan Edwards hasn't done enough in the first three games. I think they want to get him going. In fact, I know they do, and, and I think he's a little disappointed with the way he's played, but Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson as wide receivers have produced really well in the first three games, but you still need to see it against the better competition. Um, you know, are they going to get as much one-on-one coverage when these teams don't need to stack the box in big 10 play and, and take resources away from the secondary to kind of commit them towards stopping the run. So I, I'm going to be keeping my eye out on that. Colson Loveland at tight end. I think he has some, some really good potential, um, but you, you just don't really know. Um, I don't know how much how tested this team will be, though, either, until you start getting closer to late October, early November, really, with the way the schedule played out. His name is Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com, one of our Michigan insiders joining us on the Roast Umberg Coffee guest line. Wolverine's getting set for Rutgers. Yeah, this clock thing is something to watch. I, I personally think with the increase in TV spots – because of the multi-billion dollar deals, they're going to go away from this clock rule after one year. I, I, I don't know if it's set in stone for more than one, but their rules committee, whoever makes these final decisions, they're going to get away from it. It's not the NFL. Uh, it, it's not good for college football right now. It's not. No. No, I mean, it makes no sense. Um, and it's almost shameful because you look at it and they're like, okay, well, Let's shorten these games. You know, they, they don't need to be this long. We'll, they'll do anything except take away the TV timeouts because all they care about is money. And so they'll shorten the game, and, and they, they try to say it's for player safety. 
it's safer if there are less plays. Well, then just don't play at all if you want to be safer. I mean, you got to, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, and we were talking to Mike Loxley, Maryland's head coach, at Big Ten Media Day, and he was talking about it, and he said that he hates it because he tries to get younger players in the games at times, and now there are less snaps to do that, and maybe that'll be unsafe down the road when those guys have to come in for the first time. So there are so many different layers to it that I don't think they considered. Uh, but at the very least, as just a football fan, having less football is just, uh, you know, is disappointing in and of itself. Well, you got the less football. You have more TV spots. You have longer half times, longer pregames. They're following the NFL model. Right. And then, and then you're looking at uh, struggles against weaker opponents because they're going to be smart and use the clock. And if I'm Shiano and Rutgers, I'm doing that every time. I'm snapping on four or five on the play clock. It's going to keep me in games. I don't want to get to a shootout with Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. And we'll see. I think they'll go back and and change it. I, I really do. It, and then with streaming, and then I'm watching the streaming, and they're repeating uh, plays, and then some of these announcers on streaming, Ian Eagle's son is horrible. This kid's not ready for that big stage. I don't even know his name. He can, he, I can smell the green horn in him when I'm listening to the broad. And then the, the stream will will repeat, right? I mean, I repeat myself for a living every day on the huge show across Michigan, but the screen, like uh, they're doing it in the Michigan State-Washington game, which was really enjoyable to watch for all the Michigan State fans. Speaking of that, before I let you go, um, I had Michigan State 4-8 and eight with Tucker before this mess hit. Uh, from your recruiting insiders at On3.com, with this fourth game being the red shirt uh, line, uh, and you're looking at once he's officially fired, the transfer portal is open to Michigan State players. What really is one of the most frightening things from a football standpoint is that you're Michigan State. You don't know how many guys are going to demand a red shirt or guys that are going to say, I'm hitting the transfer portal. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And uh, there could be several guys that are already gone by the time Michigan plays them. In, uh, in mid to late October. So, I mean, you're absolutely right, and it's a huge layer now. Uh, there's a lot on Harlan Barnett as he tries to kind of piece this together. You don't, you don't really envy him, although he's getting his shot. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, and, um, you know, it's, I, I didn't expect him to be all that good either coming into the season, so this just is going to be much, much worse for them, I think. And Mark D'Antonio or not, I, I'm not expecting a ton out of the Spartans, but we see, I mean, maybe Washington's a great team and maybe they'll rally around him too at the same time. So uh, I'm willing to give him a little bit of time, but uh, I, I will say this in the, in the long term, though, they're going to lose a lot of guys out of the transfer portal, but you can also get guys in. We saw Mel Tucker do it. We've seen Deion Sanders do it. We've seen other coaches do it. So you can turn a program around quickly nowadays in college football. And maybe that affords you less time as a new coach, but it's a perk for a fan base knowing that there's a shot if you get a Kenneth Walker or somebody like that. And you don't need you know him necessarily, but um, you know he was obviously a great talent. But there, there is a chance in the in the short to long term for Michigan State, I think. And we'll see right now. Uh, and I know Harlan Barnett's trying to put on the good face and say that the kids are good with everything happening. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it, it is imperative that they deliver a strong performance. Uh, 
because you're going to get a Michigan State fan base that you're going to, yeah, you want to support the team. I get it. You love the tailgates, but wow. And it doesn't look based on what we had the last couple of days, the back and forth, that it's going to go away anytime soon. And what will that do for the recruiting class that we're going to have come in and sign in December? Could that be rated, right? Uh, then transfer yeah. portal that I mentioned with uh, red shirts. And, and you're going to take a red shirt, but you know you're going to get out uh, at the at the end of the year, if not sooner. It, it will be crazy because this is kind of unprecedented of a coach fired in season this early, now connected to the transfer portal era. No doubt. Yeah, it's almost going to be a case study in that way. And on the recruiting front, too, from what we've heard, there are a few Michigan State commits that, that Michigan has kept in touch with. So, um, I mean, frankly, there aren't a ton that are that are really that highly touted. But there are a few that you know guys that they got that Michigan will be interested in. So that's something to consider as well. But you're right. You're going to get um, really a case study here of, what it's going to look like. And there won't be too many of these firings early on in the year. It's obviously a unique case, but, but what it does look like with the, the college football transfer portal being open for 30 days in the middle of the year, guys that will want to sit out, maybe finish the semester, but not play football to preserve their eligibility for that extra year. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, and, you know, I think that they're, they have a huge game coming up against Maryland because it's one of the few games on the schedule that you look at and really say that, that it's, they have a realistic chance of hanging in there. I haven't, I haven't looked at the DraftKings Sportsbook, what the line is, but I would imagine this is going to be one of the tighter ones they'll have you know, all year long the rest of the way. His name is Clayton Safey. Uh, he is with Wolverine.com. We would have him on every day, every show. But Superfly has some issues with Clayton that I think need to be addressed privately between those two. Uh, Clayton, uh, good stuff. Enjoy the game this weekend, my man, and we'll talk soon, okay? Hey, one thing I did want to ask you about that I saw it on 3.com. Ohio State AD Gene Smith will say the quiet part out loud in today's NIL hearing on the Hill during his testimony. Uh, He said, quote, a practice of asking a school for a fee to simply visit campus has emerged. Asking for $5,000 just to visit has become common. Wow. It's absolutely absurd. It's something I had never thought about until now. And now that you think about it, it kind of makes sense that these kids are asking. But at the same time, I I would like to hear if... Uh, A.D. Gene Smith and Ohio State are obliged on some of these uh, requests, but I mean, what a what a world we're in here in college football with, mm. with the way things are going with with the money, and uh, I don't love it at all. And I hope that schools aren't, you know, because these kids want to go to school and make the NIL money at the very least. So, I mean, you don't need to pay them if, if everyone decided not to do that. I think that would probably be the the best course it's, of action, but yeah. you're always going to get the cheaters out there. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like Ohio State has ever had a problem with giving money uh, to players or recruits. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's a track record there. I'll have to look up Maurice Claret, Terrell Pryor, show cause penalty against Jim Tressel. But I'll get back to you on that info <laughs> when I do my research, Clayton. We love That's you, buddy. Great. And you're, this show, you're welcome anytime. Superfly's personal agenda against you will not be tolerated on this show. <laughs> Okay, that's great. I, I thought I was getting blackballed, but it's uh, I will no, say it's no. You were great getting you, you, we we call it the fly strip. 
when he puts names on a fly strip, that means you're stuck and you're not getting on, okay? And you're not on that list. Trust me, there are some names. D'Antonio's on it. I can tell you right now. His name's on that list, my X list. I have my personal X list. Superfly has the fly strip, and these are people that just will never come on. I won't ask them. I swear to God. I, and I, I just won't ask him. And, and I'll say it openly. D'Antonio's on the list because his wife, years ago, during the Little Brother episode, on air, I said, for a man of faith and a head coach at a major university, there's no need to take on fellow student-athletes. Mm-hmm. His wife said to Mark, you'll never go on that show, talking about the huge show. So that's it. I moved on, and I'll move on from the issues that Superfly has with you, and we'll all get along and do the show every day, okay? We'll never, never apologize for telling it like it is. You're, you're the only show that does that. And hey, man, brother. It. You read that exactly like I texted it to you. Thank you, Clayton, right. okay? That's right. <laughs> all right, we'll talk, buddy. Take care. All right.